This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Alexander Rossi, the rookie out of California, is backing up the pace. Carlos Munoz charging. Alexander Rossi in the turn number four on fumes. Alexander Rossi for the final time. Exits turn number four. Here he comes, Mark James. He may have to coast it across the finish line. Alexander Rossi almost rolling to a dead stop. Twin checkers are out, and the rookie will win the 100th Indianapolis 500-mile race. Good morning, race fans. 11.03 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always. And that's how you heard it here last Sunday, right here on WGR Sports Radio 550, as Alexander Rossi scored the upset win in the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. Mark Jaynes, who we had here on the program a couple of weeks ago, uh, on the call there as Rossi pretty much coasting his uh, Napa number 98 Herta uh, Andretti Autosport car across the finish line to claim victory in his rookie start in the greatest spectacle in racing. Just one part of a very unexpected day of racing here last Sunday as we enjoyed both the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 and two very unpredictable events that happened last Sunday as you heard them both right here in WGR. Great show lineup for you this morning as we will recap Last Sunday's events with the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. Plus, we've got IndyCar already in action in Detroit this weekend. They're doing the uh, doubleheader in Detroit this weekend. One race already in the books for IndyCar, and they've got another one on tap today. And, of course, NASCAR is in the Poconos this weekend for today's race, which could be, well, it could be. It's going to be affected by wet weather, unfortunately. It's been a wet weekend uh, in the Pocono Mountains, unfortunately, and weather has been wreaking havoc on the weekend uh, all time uh, throughout the schedule this weekend for NASCAR, including this morning, uh, already rain and foggy conditions at Pocono. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to hear the race here on WGR at some point today. But lots to get to. Coming up on uh, today's program, we'll talk to Daniel McFadden of NBC Sports. He writes for Motorsports Talk at NBCSports.com and NASCAR Talk at NBCSports.com. Uh, we'll talk to Daniel in about uh, 10 minutes or so and get his thoughts on both of last weekend's events, both the Indianapolis 500 and the Coke 600, and we'll, we'll turn our attention to today's events as well. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the Race of Champions Modified Series, which has been very busy the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're, we're in action on Friday night at the Spencer Speedway. They are headed to the Lake Erie Speedway for the first time in about uh, 11 years or so, this coming Saturday night, June 11th as Lake Erie Speedway, which has been on a specials-only scheduling for the last couple of seasons. They used to be a weekly short track in the area, but have have changed their program and have been more special events and not even racing events, but more uh, monster trucks and drifting and all sorts of events like that. They will actually have some stock car racing this Saturday night, headlined by the Race of Champions Modified Series. And George Gore III, who was a former Lake Erie late model track champion, will join us at the bottom of the hour. George is excited to get back to Lake Erie Speedway, this time in an open-wheel modified, as he will look to uh, best the field of Race of Champions Modifieds this coming Saturday night at the Lake Erie Speedway in northeast Pennsylvania, which is 
right across the border pretty much uh, if you're taking the 90 into Pennsylvania's second exit. Uh, it's not a far drive to check out Action at Lake Erie. But phone lines are open as well here this morning for you at 803-0551-888-550-2550. Would love to hear your thoughts on last weekend's events too, both the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, how you thought those races played out or just your surprise at how things played out last weekend with Rossi's win and, of course, Truex in the Coke 600, his dominating performance as well. We're also on social media, of course. You can tweet us at FastTrack550 and Facebook.com slash WGR FastTrack. But what an unbelievable finish as Alexander Rossi, the 24-year-old rookie out of California, pretty much coming out of nowhere to win the Indianapolis 500. Uh, not much of a factor throughout most of the race. Qualified 11th, you know, had a good, strong qualifying performance, but still not a name that was really talked about leading up to the race. I don't think we mentioned him at all here on the program last Sunday when we were talking about some of the drivers in the field. I don't think I brought up Rossi's name once, uh, despite the strong qualifying performance. Just didn't think he was going to be one of the ones to watch. We talked about, you know, Joseph Newgarden and the Penske cars and, 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 and that like in the in the Ganassi cars, which weren't much of a factor outside, or to, except for Tony Kanaan, really. Uh, just Alexander, Alexander Rossi, not a name anyone was really familiar with outside of the people that really covered the IndyCar circuit. No one that he, anybody was really familiar with with Rossi, a driver that had aspirations his whole life to be a Formula One driver, even though he was born in America. Even even his people weren't even sure what country he was from. Some people thought it's like, oh, another foreign guy won the Indy 500. No, he was born in California. Is uh, an American, and uh, but moved to Europe as a as a kid and pursued dreams of becoming a Formula One driver. And he got to live those dreams out a little bit last season. Got some rides in Formula One, not with one of the top organizations, but made a handful of starts this year. Uh, didn't have a seat with the Formula One team, was more of a, a, a backup driver in case they needed him, a test driver. And uh, he signed on with Brian Herta and uh, his organization, which is paired up with Andretti Autosport, and he decided to go IndyCar racing. And he had pretty much no oval track experience coming into this season. It wasn't until he ran Phoenix this year that he had ever competed in an oval track race, which to make this win at Indianapolis uh, even more uh, surprising, unexpected that, you know, his first time, his first laps at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway just came during the month of May, but he somehow figured it out. And, of course, more importantly, his team figured out the pit strategy, which ultimately put them in victory lane, of course, uh, on Sunday. Late in the race, the long green flag run there to to for the finish of the race. And you had Newgarden leading and Carlos Munoz there running in second. And you had Tony Kanaan there all at the front of the field. But all those guys... Came down pit road inside 10 laps to go. And, uh, you know, Newgarden and Munoz were hoping when things, everybody cycled through that they would be uh, the the first car in line once everybody had cycled through the green flag pit stops. And they didn't count on Rossi trying to stay out and make a gamble to try and stretch the fuel all the way to the finish. And and, and if you're someone that's going to try and gamble, who better than a rookie driver with limited experience you know, might as well just say heck with it and let, let's try and stretch this out. Um, first chance at Indy. Um, you know, they're running the full series, but not really in the championship hunt. Not, you know, just throwing it all out on the line to try and steal the win. And that's what they did. And by the end of that, that final run to the finish, he was nursing that car around the speedway. But luckily for him, by that last lap, he had about a half a lap advantage on Carlos Munoz. And uh, he was able to coast it basically on that final lap to score the win and uh, just an unexpected ending 
to the Indianapolis 500. But w- what a break uh, for guys like Munoz and Newgarden, who we thought were going to be, you know, challenging for the win. Couple of young guys. Uh, you know, we talked to Joseph Newgarden here a couple of weeks ago, and Munoz has been so good since he's come into the sport at Indianapolis. He's started on the front row. He's finished second now a couple of times in this race, and uh, a lot of fiery determination out of that young man. He was obviously disappointed with how things played out and said he would eventually win this race. Uh, in his post-race comments, I, I love the the passion for Munoz, and uh, very similar to uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, another driver from Bogota, Colombia, very passionate driver, much like uh, much like Montoya is, so he could be a, a big future star in this sport if uh, he's you know been running very well in his season with that Andretti Autosport, and maybe all he needs is that big high-profile win like at Indianapolis to maybe break through to become one of the stars of open wheel racing. But you felt bad for him in New Garden; they ran a heck of a race, but unfortunately, uh, th- they didn't count on the young Californian to and the uh, the Herda team to try and get that long green flag run and were able to coast across the finish line. But uh, Rossi got the win. Munoz was second. Newgarden was third. Tony Kanon fourth. And Charlie Kimball had a good day finishing in fifth. J.R. Hildebrand. James Hinchcliffe, kind of a disappointing day. Led some laps early on, but uh, the strategy didn't play out for the pole sitter either. He finished seventh. Scott Dixon, Sebastian Bourdais, and Will Power uh, rounded out the top ten. The Penske cars, kind of not a great day. We thought Penske was going to be the team to beat. Um, you know, they Pagano did well at times, but uh, and so did, you know, um, Castro Neves and Power. They were all the factors, but things just did not go their way. And, of course, Juan Pablo crashed out of the race, so we thought Penske would be the team to beat, but uh, they obviously uh, came up short and uh, were not even inside. Uh, not They had one car inside the top ten, and that was Power. You had Castro Neves finishing 11th, and Pagano finished a lap down in 19th, and, of course, they said Montoya crashed out, so... Again, quite a surprising turn of events. And then we had also another unexpected day in Charlotte. Uh, Weather wound up not being a factor for the Coca-Cola 600. They got the whole race in, and it was pretty much the Martin Truex show because he led uh, 588 miles, which is a a NASCAR record, and he led 392 laps and just put a spanking on the field at Charlotte. Not much else to say about that race last Sunday. It's just the, the Truex show, and... Uh, obviously, I don't think nobody minded. Had any other driver, I think, done that kind of performance, we'd all be pretty you know, annoyed and ticked off if Jimmy Johnson or Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick had dominated the race the way Truex did. Uh, I think we'd not feel as good about that race last Sunday. But, of course, it was Truex, and we have seen how that team has been so close to winning in the past and have dominating performances like this. Maybe not as dominant, but just they've been the best car all day. And whether it be strategy or a mistake on pit road, or a, a, you know, they, the one time they tr- they they stayed out and the, everybody came down pit road. You know, some kind of mistake by the team, or just something not going in their favor, taking Truex out of contention. I think we spent all night waiting for that to happen. It's like, uh, what's gonna? How are they gonna lose this one today? You know, Kyle Busch hit the wall, and, and we thought the caution was come out, and the, and the green flag stayed out. We just kind of sat there waiting. When is the shoe gonna drop for Martin Truex, and how are they gonna? lose another one but it didn't happen the race stayed green and Truex was able to drive on to victory and obviously of course a very emotional win uh for he and his girlfriend Sherry Pollux who of course has been fighting cancer and uh, she was there on pit road in in public uh one of the few times she's been in public without uh, any wig of some kind um as she has been going through cancer treatment so obviously that added to the emotion uh, of the victory for Truex so it wound up being a feel-good story but obviously not a very exciting race outside of just waiting to see if Truex, uh, Truex's luck would hang on for the, the final, uh, final 
hundred miles or so there on Sunday night of Charlotte, but a, a very quick race. Uh, not again, not much happened. Not, not a lot of cautions or anything as uh, they got the 600 miles in in under four hours um, as Truex kind of just dominated things. So uh, Truex obviously uh, getting a much-needed win. That'll lock up his spot in the chase and also continues a dominant season for cars with either Joe Gibbs from Joe Gibbs Racing or cars related to Joe Gibbs Racing as uh, Truex becomes the latest winner uh, from that organization to go to victory. Of course, we've seen how much that Kyle Busch's his success this year and Matt Kenseth and Denny Hamlin and Carl Edwards uh, that whole organization, of course, Truex being a satellite team to JGR, uh, the Furnish Row Racing Team, they have been the dominant cars in the field all year in the Spring Cup Series. So, But quite a, again, unexpected. I don't think anybody could have predicted that A, Alexander Rossi, a rookie, was going to win the Indy 500 on pit strategy, and B, B, no one, I don't think, would have predicted that Martin Truex was uh, going to lead 392 of 400 laps uh, Sunday night in Charlotte. We were hoping for a little more passing, obviously, with the, the lower downforce package and all the changes NASCAR has been trying to make to these cars to make them more racier, especially on the mile-and-a-half tracks, but that was not the case uh, Sunday night in Charlotte either. 803-0551-888-552-552 as we go to the phones and to the AT&T hotline and bring in from NBC Sports. You can find him on motorsportstalk.nbcsports.com and nascartalk.nbcsports.com. Daniel McFadden joins us on the line. Daniel, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Morning, Dave. How, how are things going? Things are uh, doing well. We're hoping to see some racing today, but unfortunately Mother Nature is going to let, let her presence be known at both Pocono and Detroit. So I don't know if we're going to be able to see much racing, but we got lots to talk about from last weekend, Daniel. And as I started off the show, uh, like I said, no one could have predicted, I think, how both races played out last Sunday with Alexander Rossi's win in the Indy 500 and Martin Truex's dominance of the Coca-Cola 600. Well, I, I, I think you could you're more likely you could predict that Truex would have won the Coke 600, just not in as dominant as fashion. But, yeah, certainly uh, Alexander Rossi winning, sputter, puttering across the finish line to win the, the 100th Indianapolis 500. Yeah, that, that no one would have seen that coming about six laps from the finish. But it did happen, and it was, it was truly amazing to see. Yeah, qu- quite a, uh, as I said, a surprise event. But... You had a, a write a write up uh, on NBC Sports as a website, and one of the more things to make Rossi's win even more unbelievable is the fact that he has very limited oval track experience coming into this season. He hadn't even run an oval track race, and uh, he was uh, almost downright scared about the speeds they were reaching on the Indianapolis Five, uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah, he 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 said uh, earlier this week here in, in uh, down here in Dallas that uh, his first lap around IMS was. Uh, Scary as a four-letter word that starts with S, <laughs> um, and he, he was bare, he was peaking going into turn one at 243 miles per hour, and uh, you know he slowly got used to it, and he let his mind get used to the idea of doing that, and uh, you know it, it eventually paid off in the race itself when uh, he he led 14 laps, including a handful in the middle of the race. And then uh, it, it, it got down to the showtime, and it was either going to be him or, or Carlos Munoz. And uh, he, he, it was Rossi by, by, I believe, four seconds at the line. Yeah. Uh, uh, one more lap, and it would have been Munoz more than likely. Yeah. Uh, t- talk about Munoz, Daniel. Uh, you know, he, he's vi- uh, 
obviously the connections to JP, JPM, Juan Pablo Montoya, are obvious with uh, being Colombian, but also a similar personality, a very passionate driver, and he, he spoke after the race saying, you know, he's going to win this race someday. And, uh, I, I, again, uh, definitely saw so, some future stars of the sport on display Sunday with Rossi if he decides to continue his IndyCar career. Uh, Munoz and Newgarden, just, just three new faces in this sport that really had uh, great days at Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, it, it, w- it was a race for the younger drivers. It's like when the r- race was over, there was only two uh, previous Indy 500 winners in the top ten. You had uh, Tony Kanaan and Scott Dixon a little bit farther back. But, yeah, it, names like Newgarden, uh, Munoz, those are the ones you, you would think you're going to see in the, in the future. New, Newgarden's already got a couple wins. Munoz, he has a win, but it was in a rain-shortened race at Detroit this weekend last year. Um, so hopefully uh, he'll, he'll get his chance to really go out and earn a 100% win at some point in the future. But uh, I, I I can't recall ever hear, hearing a driver with that much confidence after a loss in the Indy 500 saying, I'm, it, one thing is clear, I will win the Indy 500 one of these days. Mm. That was both refreshing and also kind of uh, weird in the same same moment because of the, you, you being that confident about a race that's as trying as difficult in the Indy 500 is uh, kind of out of left field, but it is also a very nice moment to see a uh, personality of a, of a driver shine through for few minutes yeah yeah you don't get that a lot with uh, a lot of race car drivers uh usually you get more of a a a blander response but yeah that was definitely good to see and and love the passion out of carlos munoz daniel mcfadden joining us here from nbc sports and wgr's fast track daniel now of course the big question is the future of alexander rossi in indycar racing here is a, a driver that of course, he wants to be a Formula One driver, and he's had a chance. He's he's had a few starts in the sport, but uh, obviously, I, I think he, he at least before last weekend uh, was considering IndyCar just a a temporary stop on his career path before going back uh, overseas after Sunday. Now, what do you think the future holds for Rossi? Will uh will will Michael Andretti try to you know keep him locked with his team and, and, you know, see if he can, you know, run for a championship and run for more wins in the series? Or do you think uh, Rossi will eventually uh, return overseas in the future? Well, uh, he, he's been, he made it pretty clear that, you know, since he, he was 10 years old, his primary dream was to race in Formula One. And uh, and he, he only knew about two weeks before the IndyCar season started that he was, in fact, going to be driving an IndyCar this year. But he, he, he is a reserve driver for a team in Formula One. But he said that, like, especially since with this win in Indy 500, he's been launched into the championship conversation. That, you know, his mm. complete focus is on this season and his IndyCar commitments, even though there would be some potential conflicts. That his, he, he will fulfill his IndyCar obligations this year. And, it, I mean, I, I can't predict the future on what, uh, Andretti and Herta will do, but you you got to believe they'd want uh, to ha- bring the Indy 500 championship back next year in some form to defend, at least defend his Indy 500 sure. uh, title. 
Yeah, and and, and of course him being an American, even though he spent most of his career overseas, again having an American talent too. Uh, I know IndyCar uh, loves to promote their their drivers from America that have had success. You know, they've been trying to prop up you know guys like Joseph Newgarden who have had success and are, are American born. And uh, Rossi would also be a perfect fit for that. Uh, Daniel, let, let's shift gears here to NASCAR, and uh, of course we we talked about Truex's dominating day, but the series in Pocono today, and hopefully weather permitting. Going to get the race in, uh, what do you think about today's race at Pocono? You've got the Penske cars on the front row, um, but of course the JGR cars have been so dominant this season. What kind of a race do you expect today at Pocono, if and when we get it in? Uh, I, I expect that you'll see those Penske cars up for much of the race. Um, and like in the last few years, you know, ever, ever since you saw they reduced the mileage from 500 to 400 laps, you the, the racing at Pocono has gotten a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, I remember sitting around during those 500 lap years and just like asking myself, is this race still going? Um, but uh, I think you could see some surprises. And, you know, you, you know, Hart Jr. Just a couple of years ago, he swept these Pocono races. So you're, I mean, you got Kyle Busch. Uh, he was fastest in the last, practice yesterday and he this is one of his races he's trying to uh check mark off on his to-do list in spring cup series there's only two tracks that he hasn't won it yeah spring cup and this is this is one of them so uh you, you might tr- see him trying to get to the front as uh, as quickly as possible that's for sure Daniel, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you on the show here this morning. We'll uh, continue to read your work over at NBCSports.com and uh, follow you on. Tw- be sure to follow him on Twitter too at Daniel McFadden. Uh, thanks for the time. Enjoy the race today. Race today, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Dave. You have a good day. All right, Daniel McFadden from NBC Sports joining us here on WGR's Fast Track. Uh, looking at the lineup for today's cup race, again, the, the Penske cars are in the front row, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. A little bit of advantage for the Penske cars as Brad Keselowski did participate in a tire test uh, at Pocono earlier this year, although uh, the, the tire, I believe, Goodyear brought this weekend a little bit different than the one Keselowski tested on, but still any extra track time, I'm sure, helps, and they will uh, lead the field to green today. Matt Kenseth, Kevin Harvick in row two, Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart in row three, a nice uh, qualifying performance for Stewart as uh, he looks to maybe score a win here. Maybe he can pull one out today and improve his chances of making the chase despite uh, missing racing this year because of that injury. Uh, Hendrick teammates Jimmy Johnson, Dale Jr. in row four, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin uh, in row five. That's that's weird. Uh, Look at the lineup. Three three of the top five rows have both a Gibbs car and a Stuart Haas car in in three of the top five rows today. And then you've got the Alpensky row and the Alhendrick row all mixed in the the top ten starters. Uh, And then you've got a Hendrick-Gibbs row in row six with Casey Kane and Kyle Busch. Uh, Chase Elliott will roll off 13th today, Ryan Blaney in 14th. Martin Truex, not a great qualifying performance for him as uh, he is a former Pocono winner. He will roll off 17th today. Austin Dillon starts 19th. Kyle Larson struggling in qualifying will start 21st today uh, at the Pocono Raceway. Again, uh, weather depending on, on when this race goes green. We get back. We'll take more of your phone calls at 803-0550-188-550-2550. Did you find yourself asking the question, Alexander who, on la- uh, last Sunday when Alexander Rossi won the Indianapolis 500? 
and Martin Truex's dominating performance in the Coca-Cola 600. We'll get your thoughts on it when we get back. Plus, from the Race to Champions Modified Series, George Score III will join us as he gets ready to invade the Lake Erie Speedway next Saturday night. We'll talk about that, too, when we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. 11.33 here on WGR, Sports Radio 550, Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track. I have uh, Fox Sports 1 on here in the studio. They just started their uh, race day coverage uh, showing the wetness at Pocono. But more interesting, uh, there was a little uh, dust-up in the Xfinity Series garage uh, during yesterday's race. Uh, Ryan Reed and Ryan Sieg in the dueling, uh, battling Ryans, I guess. Uh, Ryan Reed had crashed out of the race, and Sieg was already out of the race, but he was still upset with Reed uh, for an event earlier when those two had gotten together, and apparently Sieg confronted Reed, and it looked like he took a swing at him, too, and uh, Fox just happened to have footage of it because they had an in-car camera in Reed's car, and it just happened to catch uh, the the in-car was still rolling, even though Reed was out of the race, and they just happened to catch uh, the confrontation, which, which happened by Reed's car right in the garage area. And so uh, they had, uh, I'm sure NASCAR will be able to review that footage, and uh, we'll probably be seeing some penalties come from that. It looked like Sieg took a swipe right at uh, Reed's chin, so a little drama in the Xfinity series from some of the young drivers. Uh, the IndyCar series, by the way, as we mentioned, also in Detroit this weekend, coming off uh, last weekend's Indianapolis 500, and it is one of the uh, doubleheader events. Actually, it's the only one on the schedule this year. We we used to they used to have more in the past. Uh, Toronto's had one recently, but uh, Detroit, the only doubleheader event on the schedule this year. Race one was yesterday, and uh, more pit strategy came into play for the IndyCar series. And this time, it was Sebastian Bourdais benefiting as uh, he and Connor Daly kind of took advantage of pit strategy and were able to take the uh, first two spots in the race yesterday with Bourdais getting the win. Connor Daly finishing second for the rookie driver. Uh, for Dale Coyne. Juan Pablo Montoya rebounding after his struggle, uh, struggles last week in Indianapolis, crashing out of the race, finishing third yesterday at Detroit. Graham Rahal, Elio Castroneves rounded out the top five. Alexander Rossi started 17th in the 22-car field, and the Indy 500 winner uh, walked away with a top 10 finish. Uh, I believe they're trying to get qualifying in for today's race two at Detroit in right now, but just like in Pennsylvania, some very heavy rains moving through the Detroit, Michigan area. And I'm not sure uh, where they currently are with uh, with qualifying there at Detroit. But at some point, they will try and get the uh, second race of the uh, duel in Detroit weekend for the IndyCar Series uh, going here at some point this afternoon. Of course, don't forget, uh, the IndyCar Series will be coming to Watkins Glen Labor Day weekend with that race added to the schedule a couple of weeks ago. Uh, another road course race on tap for the IndyCar Series when they go to Watkins Glen on Labor Day weekend. Coming up this Saturday night, though, at the Lake Erie Speedway, speaking of racing close into home, the Race of Champions Modified Series returns to Lake Erie for the first time in 11 years, and one of the drivers very excited to be heading back to a track that he's very familiar with is George Score third, and George joins us on the line here right now on the AT&T Hotline. George, good morning. How are we doing, bud? Good, Dave. How are you doing this morning? Doing good. Uh, I know you were watching from the grandstands last night at Lancaster, uh, watching uh, the Sportsman Modifieds go at it last night at Lancaster. I'm sure you are itching to get back behind the wheel this Saturday night at a track you're very familiar with. Yeah, I was very looking forward to getting back to Lake Erie Speedway. It's been one of my favorite tracks in the past few years. Had a lot of success in the late models. And uh, trying to translate over to get to a good finish in this Modified Series we've been racing in. Yeah, 
Obviously, uh, you won, a, as you said, a late model track championship, now driving the modified. Luckily for you, though, you were able to do some testing down there at Lake Erie Speedway a, a week or so ago. What did you learn in that brief test session? How much of a difference is navigating a uh, asphalt modified around that track versus a late model stock car? Well, it's, it's kind of the same, other than I think the track conditions are going to be a lot different come this Saturday than we had last week. There's been nobody on that track for the last two years, so there's mm. rubber lay down or anything, so... I think once we get some practice laps rolling around with a group of cars, it's gonna it's gonna change throughout the day for us. As you said, the track has been sitting. They they've gone to a, a special event schedule, and there's not been a lot of uh, oval track racing there at Lake Erie. Uh, how has that affected the the surface? Besides the lack of rubber, has uh, is it, has that surface developed any uh, more character now that it's been sitting a couple of years without a lot of racing? Has there been some bumps or anything that have kind of developed on the uh, three eighths oh. mile oval? Not at all. I think uh, I think when they built Lake Erie Speedway, whoever designed this place, I mean, they built it right. They have the right drainage around it, and I don't think weather's had any effect on it. So the track's still smooth. The facility looks great. I think it's going to be a, a great night for Lake Erie Speedway and the ROC Tour. Of course, uh, one of the guys you'll be racing against this Saturday night is your brother-in-law, Will Thomas, who, who just so happens to be another former Lake Erie late model track champion. Uh, do, do you think you guys are kind of the, the favorites going into this weekend because of your previous experience? I don't think so, man. I mean, this is the toughest competition I've ever raced against in my life, and uh, these guys are prepared when they do battle with Chuck Hostels and the Matt Hirschmans and the Patrick Emberlings. They're, uh, they're on top of their game, so it's going to be quite the challenge for us to go in there and try to knock them out of victory lane. George Gore the third joining us here on WGR's Fast Track. George, this season with the Race of Champions Modified Series, of course, the, there's been a, a tire compound switch for this season, uh, going back to Hoosier Tires, but also a little bit different Hoosier Tire compound, one that tries to last a little bit longer. From your experience this year, how much of a difference has been the new Hoosiers compared to what you've uh, uh, previous Hoosier compounds and even the American racers? What is, has there been a big change between this year's tire versus what you've raced on in the past? I think the tire that Joe Skett and Mickey found for us for this year, it, it's, uh, it's lasting in the whole race. I mean, some of the fastest guys are running their fastest laps at the end of the race. So for them to put on a tire that will last at least 75 laps so far, I mean, it's going to be quite interesting when we get into these 100-lap races when they do throw a tire change in, who's going to take a tire and who doesn't. So, I mean, for me, it's been more like a sportsman tire, and mm. the tire will last, and we'll just keep racing on it all day, and then it'll repeat for the next time we go practice on both four stickers on the time trial and and they just they just wear great so i think they found a great tire for us and looking forward to keep going with them george gore the third joining us here on uh, wgr's fast track george of course you were up at uh lancaster with the modify a couple of weeks ago a lot of changes to that track surface over the last couple of years and now they've they've put in the the concrete on the front straightaway and uh you're right as you mentioned with that 75 lap race the uh, tire wear was not an issue nobody uh, well, they weren't allowed to make pit stop for tires unless they had a flat, but everybody ran the, the race on the same set of four tires, and you were right, the you know Patrick Emmerling that won the race ran his fastest lap on lap 73. Uh, just talk about how dramatic a change you've seen at Lancaster with the racing surface over the last couple of years. Well, it's you have to race the whole race now with these tires. There's no sandbagging because if you get yourself out of track position, it's going to be tough to get back through the field. So uh, a guy like Matt Hirschman or Andy Jankoyak that would tend to lean back with uh, the old Hoosiers and, and let the race unfold and come on at the end of the race, these guys are going to have to race now. And I know it's it's changed the race dramatically for everybody. You'll see, you'll see like I don't know, there's a good eight to ten cars that can run 
up front so far in this series. And to get in the top three is tough. And for us to have a tire of the last, it's been just uh, a great feeling for us that we don't have to come in for a pit stop because, man, I, I don't have the crew that some of these guys have out to <laughs> change tires and get back out there and get track position. So for us starting out, it's, uh, it's a good thing for us. One of those studs. Lancaster's track uh, surface has been awesome this year. I mean, it's really it's really produced some good side by side racing, and then uh, the front concrete has added a little bit of uh, a curveball for us. But once you get past that, it's uh, it's a nice smooth facility now. One of those uh, teams you talk about the top organizations on the ROC series and in racing here in Western New York in general. Uh, is the the Leedy Autosport team with Mike Leedy and Patrick Gammerling, and they've had a lot of success this year. Mike got the win Friday night at Spencer, and, of course, uh, Patrick Gammerling got his third sportsman win at Lancaster last night. Uh, just talk about what it's like to, to race against Patrick, and you, I'll, obviously we've all seen him kind of emerge on the scene here in just the last few years, and now he has become the hottest driver in the area, George, with uh, all the winning he's doing in the Modified and the Sportsman. Yeah, his confidence is at all-time high. I mean, his running the wheeling races he has, the experience he's been traveling everywhere and coming home for familiar tracks for him, he's uh, he's been quite the hot shoe lately. So it would be nice to, to get our get him in the, in the ROC car down in Erie and maybe try to get a beat, beat on him and uh, get that sportsman out in a couple of weeks here and come back to Lancaster with us. I was going to ask you about that. Are we going to see you uh, at Lancaster in two weeks for the big sportsman SummerSlam 75 race? Yeah, that'll be our debut race with that car on me. I've been itching. You know me. <laughs> I can't sit in the stands and be quiet, right? No, yeah, you want to join me in the announcing booth. I know. <laughs> well, get, get me up there, dude. <laughs> well, if it ever comes up, maybe maybe someday we'll let you up there. Well, George, uh, thanks for the time, bud. Uh, good to catch up with you. We will see you this Saturday at Lake Erie Speedway. Good luck uh, this weekend and the rest of the season with the Race of Champions Modified Series and with uh, the Sportsman Modifieds, too. Thanks, All right, George Gore III, he'll be in action this Saturday night at the Lake Erie Speedway down in Northeast Pennsylvania. Uh, if you've never been to the facility, it is a, a phenomenal racetrack, as George talked about. When they built this place, they did a really good job. It's a very new facility. It's it's about a little more than a, I'd say about 15, maybe 15 years old, not, not even 15 years old. It was built in the early 2000s. Uh, it's a gorgeous facility. It's uh, They, they uh, spent a lot of money to put it together, and it's a great track. I enjoyed the seasons that I worked there and really looking forward to going back on tap uh, this Saturday. Along with the Modifieds, they're going to have the uh, the Super Stocks, the Race of Champions, Big Ten Super Stocks, and then uh, the Legends cars, plus uh, the TQ Midgets, both the, the NYPA TQ Midgets and the uh, Can-Am TQ Midgets, the Wing Midgets, uh, out of Canada. So it'll be a, a jam-packed show uh, this Saturday night at the Lake Erie Speedway. Coming up, we'll get to uh, our local racing roundup. Lots of uh, racing action to get to uh, throughout the week, even going back to Memorial Day Monday. Uh, lots of racing action around the area to get to. Some tracks finally getting their first races in the books and, and some other ones, unfortunately, not having so much luck. One of the tracks I feel bad for, it's not one that we regularly cover, but the Utica Rome Speedway, they run on Sundays, a dirt track over in central New York uh, near Syracuse. Uh, they got rained out. They've already rained out for tonight. And I believe that means they're five for five this year on rainouts for Sundays. And as someone that works at a weekly track, uh, it is obviously a giant bummer whenever you get rained out. But when it just keeps happening week after week after week, it is uh, very, very depressing uh, when you want so hard to put on the show and, you know, it, it get rained out and you just can't get going, especially when you're just trying to start your season 
Uh, it's been such a struggle for them at Utica Rome. Feel really bad for those folks. They're going to try. They're going to take a gamble and they're going to run uh, on Thursday this week to try and get a show in. But uh, feel bad uh, for the folks at the Utica Rome Speedway who have had their struggles this year with rainouts. So we will uh, get to the local racing roundup when we get back. Also, still time for your phone calls, too, at 803-0551-888-550-2550. Anything you want to talk about that we've been covering this morning, Indy 500, NASCAR, uh, the Charlotte race last weekend, or today's race at Pocono, it is all on the table for you. When we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Hey, race fans, it's Dave Buchanan from my friends at Batavia Downs Gaming. Batavia Downs Gaming is the area premier entertainment destination and they're looking even better than ever with the newly renovated entrance and gaming floor and you check out all the games at batavia downs including their very popular movie and tv themed games like family guy the hangover titanic sex in the city michael jackson wheel of fortune and a whole lot of great games they have at batavia downs and while you're there be sure to check out 34 rush which is thurman thomas's sports bar right inside batavia downs gaming Go inside, check out all of Thurman's sports memorabilia, including his Hall of Fame jacket. Jerseys when he played here in Buffalo are also on display. Lots of uh, cool stuff to check out there. And uh, grab yourself a bite to eat, uh, a nice uh, beverage as well, too. And you can just sit there at the bar and watch sports on the number of HD TVs they have on display there at 34 Rush. They've also got a big 15-foot projection screen that they roll out on the weekends. Uh, Hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs. Uh, racing, of course, baseball, uh, they, they carry it all uh, at Batavia Downs at 34 Rush. You can watch all your favorite sports there. Also, be sure to check out Fortune's Italian Restaurant right inside Batavia Downs as well. Some delicious pizza and pasta dishes they serve at Fortune's. Uh, some great dining options whenever you go to 34 Rush. Batavia Downs Gaming is open 8 a.m. till 4 a.m. All through Exit 48 in Batavia. For more information, be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info on all promotions and discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination. Tell them you heard about it right here on Fast Track. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. And we'll go back to Monday night at the Ranceville Speedway Memorial Day Monday action. And Eric Rudolph picked up the win in the Super Dirt Car 358 Modified Series event. Also, Kevin, Kevin Wills getting the win in the Sportsman and Chris Leone getting the four-banger win on Monday at Ranceville. Fast forward to Friday night and they have the Patriots Sprint Cars in town and the Cobra Chuck Hebing. Past Ryan Susie on a late race restart to pick up the win, denying Susie a first career uh, sprint car victory. Would have been fun to see that, but the Cobra is also good whenever he comes to the big R. Brett Martin got the win in the Sportsman. The Huckster Corey Sawyer in the Street Stocks. Anthony Guthrie in the Four Bangers. And Chase Madison getting his first win um, in the uh, Novice Sportsman at the Big R on Friday night. Lancaster National Dragway on Friday. It was uh, Zell Gaiman in top eight. Terry Doyle in the Buffalo Street Outlaws. Michael Neary in top ET, Reed Rickinson, his third win in a row in mod ET, Mike Peters in sleds and bikes, Tim Markle in street, and uh, in the main Buffalo Street Outlaws class, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this name right, but uh, Mo Elfik uh, getting the win in the Street Outlaws there on Friday night at Lancaster. Saturday night at Lancaster, stock car racing action. Patrick Emerling getting his third win in a row in the Sportsman after the initial winner was disqualified in post-race tech. In the street stocks, it was Dave Wilson getting his second straight win. In the four uh, four cylinders, Rich Bartell got credit for the win. And in the super stocks, Jake Wiley, a dominant victory for the Race of Champions Big Ten super stocks for him. Other Saturday night action, Merrittville Speedway on the dirt up in Thorold, Ontario. 
It was Tyler LaFontese getting another win in the four cylinders. Mark Fawcett in the Hoosier stocks. Cody McPherson, another win in the Sportsman. Chris Waters in the Novice Sportsman. Derek Wagner in the Mod Lights. And Mark Delario got the modified win over Tommy Flanagan and Pete Bicknell. Holland International Speedway finally got their season started. And they've gone to the twin feature format for the Chargers this year. And Eric Brown swept both of those uh, on opening night at Holland. It was Jeff Safranic in the Hornets. Dave Wallaber, another TQ midget win for him. Brandon DeBracalier in the Legends. Don Haskell in the Figure Eights. And Anton Anderson getting the win in the uh, rookie four-cylinders. Genesee Speedway last night. Brady Wonderling in the Crate Late Models. Greg Majefka in the Sportsman. That race was shortened by uh, weather, I believe, to 16 laps. Dave Dubois in the 360 Late Models. Butch Zimmerman in the Street Stocks. Dalton Martin in the Mini Stocks. And Eddie Kowalczyk got the win in the Bandits. Also, State Line Speedway last night. Dutch Davies getting the win in the Super Late Models over John Lobb and Greg Oaks. Um, Crate Late Models at State Line last night. Matt Lotta getting the win there. And in the E-Mods, Rich Michael getting the win over David Scott and Dan Davies. Uh, Wyoming County Speedway did get their features in last night, but the uh, results appear to be a secret because I cannot find them anywhere. I also forgot Freedom Motorsports Park on Friday. My apologies. Uh... Ron Baker getting the win in the Rush Late Models. Uh, Andy Boz- or the Ron Baker Memorial, excuse me, for the Rush Late Models. Andy Bozell getting the win there. Ray Bliss, Zeke the Street getting the win in the Sportsman. Levi Watson in the Street Stocks. And Holden Heineman getting the win in the Mini Stocks Friday at Freedom Motorsports Park. Sorry about that. Looking, looked that one over initially. Uh, tonight, if you're looking for some racing action, you can head on over to the Humberstone Speedway. They've got the Southern Ontario Sprint Cars. Uh, joining their five weekly divisions of racing, 6.30 start time over there in Port Colborne, Ontario. That'll do it for us here today on Fast Track. The uh, broadcast of the race from Pocono, courtesy of MRN, is coming up next. Uh, I don't know if it's going to start on time with the wet weather. I know they've pushed driver introductions back a bit, so uh, stay tuned. You'll get some updates courtesy of MRN, and hopefully we'll have the race at some point today. Also, uh, did get an update from Detroit with IndyCar and Simon Pagino winning the poll for the second half of the Detroit doubleheader there for the IndyCar series. So uh, that'll be on NBC Sports Network today, I believe. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.